stand to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. I haven't done this in a while, but we're going to read uh, when we start all the way through because there's not that much to read uh, through verse 18. Uh, so uh, Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 11, it says, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised also only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature." And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them, and mercy and upon Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to assemble here together this morning. I, I pray, Lord, that we've obeyed you in all things. Lord, I I pray that you continue to expand your scriptures to help us understand them. We, we pray that we uh, grow closer to you before it's everlasting too late. I, I pray a special blessing over the upcoming revival that we have, and we pray that you help the uh, speakers each night. Lord, we, we pray that we can have open uh, ears, open uh, hearts, Lord, that we can uh, apply the scripture each night. Lord, we pray that we uh, have open ears this morning, Lord, that we can apply it. And we pray uh, for the many special blessings and the many special requests that we have within this church. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Uh, you can be uh, seated. Now in Galatians uh, chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, we're closing. Uh, Paul's ending his letter in so many ways. And uh, we've, we've spent, I've already said, 14 weeks. This is week 14 in the book of Galatians. So we, I hope that you under, have a very easy understanding of what the book of Galatians is about. Uh, but when we get to this particular ending... Uh, Paul is addressing some certain things. Uh, once again, he, he's addressing legalism a little bit. Uh, but Paul throws a few little extra things in there for the Galatians to understand. Uh, the very first thing that he says is, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. And uh, I saw that, and I've always thought that sort of meant something. And when I read it, I thought, I thought it meant something. Uh, but then I thought about the length of the book of Galatians, and it's not really that long. Uh, so I looked at every other translation of the Bible that's uh, easy to get to, and I looked at about 20 different translations, and every one of them says letters instead of letter. Uh, so uh, in, a, in a way, we want to think about Paul is, uh, what is Paul really trying to say? He's trying to maybe talk about uh, uh, the, the, the letter to the Thessalonians, claiming it was obviously from Paul. He wants to make sure that they, they know it's, for, it's from him. But we have to ask, really, why the letters had to be large. What's Paul really trying to say uh, here at the end of this? Now, I, I personally believe that if Paul did not write, maybe he had somebody write it for him as they were writing. I, I think at this point, uh, Paul pens personally this part of this part of the the letter to the Galatians is personally written by Paul. If nothing else is, this is written by him personally. Uh, writing this letter, and some people think that they might have been uh, had to. Paul had to use big letters because he had poor eyesight. 
uh, Paul maybe had to use uh, these uh, letters uh, that were big because he had poor penmanship. Uh, I, I highly believe that Paul, being a, a scholar, he did not have poor penmanship. Uh, so we have to really think that uh, I believe that Paul is really stressing that it had to have large letters uh, that he's writing to the church at Galatians uh, because he's trying to emphasize the importance. Now, uh, when I'm writing something important down, if I'm putting up a sign in the plan or if I'm, I want somebody to see something and understand it's important, I want it big and I want it bold. I don't know if y'all, if it helps y'all, it helps me. I, when I see something large and bold, uh, caution. <laughs> now, if it's written in little letters, sometimes I might not notice that. But if it's big, we get the point. It's important. It's capital letters. I don't, I don't know how Paul changed how he wrote at the end of this letter. He, maybe the whole thing was wrote this way, but he's emphasizing uh, uh, once again that you see how large letters. I have written unto you with mine own hand. He's trying to make sure that he's getting the point across that he wrote it. He wrote it big uh, and he wrote it with importance. Uh, we also know that he wrote it himself. Paul signed this message in a way to prove that it was authentic. In uh, so many ways, uh, uh, th these were large letters to make sure that they knew that it was important, that it was wrote by Paul, and it was big letters because they had big problems. Sometimes we need to realize that we have big problems in our lives and we need to have something big shown to us. Uh, they had big problems. In chapter 6, verse 12 through 16, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glorify in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. They had an obsession. The people at the church at Galatians here had an a, a obsession with statistics. And I have seen and known churches, and I, I believe that if we, if we were honest with ourselves, sometimes we are hung up on statistics. Uh, we want to see uh, hard numbers. Now, uh, I noticed it in this church, and I was kind of impressed uh, that uh, they didn't do it. And I seen one back in a hallway back here, the church board. I don't know if I've ever seen, and I see some of you grinning right now thinking, yeah, oh, I've always seen the church board uh, in a church. Uh, now, I don't know why you don't do it, but because it's this tradition in the south that you walk into a church and uh, you can see what the offering was last Sunday. Uh, you can see what the offering was today. Sometimes people count it at the end of service, put it up real quick. Uh, they'll have the number of people there. I have the number of people there last week. Uh, they'll have the number of people that was there a year ago today. Uh, they hung up on statistics. Now, I don't know why uh, so many churches find that so important that they got to put it on a board <laughs> in a church. Says, yeah, when you walk in, you can and see the health of the church by looking at that board. Boy, that's, a, that's the furthest thing from the truth uh, of being uh, numbers on a, on a wall, meaning the health of the church is affected by that. Uh, and, and the same way that they're affected by that, and I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong or right now, but if they're obsessed with a board with numbers on it, something's wrong. It's not important uh, to have that number. 
I'm not telling Vivian to get aboard out here and make sure we have that updated. I don't care. <laughs> I can look around and see. I can listen to people and understand the health of a church. I don't, I don't have to have statistics. These people were obsessed with statistics. Why? Because they wanted to boast about the number of circumcisions that had happened within the church. That's what they, that's why they did it. They, they were talking about these things. They were trophy hunters. They were so influenced by the number of statistics, the number of salvations, the number of people that brought their Bibles, the number of people that studied the Sunday school lesson. Buddy, I, I've heard it all, and they keep very streamlined statistics of these things, and I have been a part of it. And people will go out of their way uh, to try to be competitive. I have caught myself in Saturday night saying, Oh, I want to be able to raise my hand tomorrow when they ask if uh, who studied the Sunday school lesson. Let me get that thing out and skim it real quick so I can raise my hand honestly. And boy, I, I, if you ain't guilty of that, I, I don't know, but I'm guilty of it. I want to be able to raise that hand. They're trophy hunters. These people, they want to do things with competition. I've even read a testimony of a Mormon that left Mormonism, but he was in Mormonism and he didn't even believe in what they taught, but he was so competitive that he wanted to have the most baptisms in Mormonism. So he really went after it and he did really well in it, but he left because he didn't really love it. He did it because he was competitive. Lord, help us if we're so competitive that we're caught up on the number of baptisms or the number of people or the number of prayer requests, the number of people that do this. Uh, the only reason they were doing this uh, was they feared religious persecution. You know what that means? They were afraid of being shunned because they weren't doing good enough. And I've been to enough meetings. I used to go to a monthly meeting and they read through all these statistics of 32 churches in a county, and they talked about this, they talked about that, and I'm thinking, my goodness, we're laying out a measuring stick and making it all about numbers and all about certain statistics and things. Uh, uh, the legalists, it comes down to the legalists were afraid of the Jews. Is what it was. The Jews wanted certain things done, which was circumcision, and what did they do? They wanted to appease the Jews and saying, yeah, we're still following Jewish customs. If they come in and they are Christians and they receive salvation, we make sure that they are circumcised. And we've had this amount of people circumcised. We're, we're doing everything that we can. Many of these Jews were, were, were all these families and these friends and these business associates. They wanted to make relations good. If we're in the business of appeasing other people, we're in the wrong business, church. We are. And I told uh, somebody the other day, they asked me, as well, we, we want to make people happy. I said, well, if I want to make people happy, and I've heard it said before, I'll, I'll sell ice cream for a living. And people are happy when they get ice cream for a living. And they say, well, you know, I've heard people that said it's too sweet or too sour or not good enough, not enough flavor. And I said, yeah, I tell you what, you just can't make anybody happy. There's no sense in even trying to appease everybody. I just preach the Word of God and preach it with honesty, preach it with truth, and preach it from the beginning to the end. Don't miss stuff. If you think you've missed anything in Galatians, you can go on Facebook and, and listen to the messages before. We've covered it. It's all been there. But they decided to mix Judaism with Christianity to pacify both sides. They wanted to make both sides happy. They compromised the message of the cross. They took away the power of Jesus. I want you to realize today that many people are compromising on the message of Jesus to make people happy. They are. They're compromising 
adding to what Jesus said. They're adding to what needs to happen within the church. They're adding to the messages only to make people happy. They are. We, uh, I, I, have, uh, I read something a while back that talked about the American Cancer Society. And the American Cancer Society years ago was putting on this big fundraiser. And, and they were selling tickets to like a concert that people could go to. And the American Cancer Society sent out a blast of email looking for donors and people to sponsor the event. They didn't really put a control over who they were sending those things out to. Uh, but there was one company that stepped up first out of anybody else and wanted to sponsor the event. And guess who sponsored the American Cancer Society's event? Marlboro cigarette company they didn't even realize what had happened they sent it out and they had to appease them but you know how silly it looked when they advertised that i believe they advertised it with somebody uh, holding a tennis racket in one hand and a cigarette in the other and they were advertising something for the american cancer society <laughs> they couldn't understand why they made a mistake they were appeasing both sides they're making everybody happy because uh, the money was coming in and things were going well as a church today we cannot appease everybody we can't uh, mix this with that we can't mix uh, old ways with new ways and new ways we just got to just roll jesus with it we just got to roll jesus into what we're doing we cannot mix these things together legalism uh, cannot be mixed with what jesus says they also had a concern for the things going on around them in verse 13, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep their law, but to desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. In verse 15 it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Just like today's legalists, just like the old legalists, just like the legalists of this time right here, uh, they were doing certain things in Galatia, and they were only concerned with what was external. That's what they were concerned with. They were concerned about how things looked. Uh, they were concerned with how things sounded. Uh, they were concerned. Uh, their faith only went skin deep. When they looked at you, they only looked at what you had externally. They were worried about the surface and not what was really inside of the body. They valued human approval more than they did God's approval. Modern day legalists are more concerned with church programs than they are with church people. The church is not made up of programs or service types or preacher types. The church is made up of people within the church, Christians today. They're more concerned. They emphasize things like water baptism, church membership, church traditions, dress codes, outward appearances, the types of the service, or even the types of songs that we sing. None of those things are really making up the church. They're all designed to please what? People. That's what they're made for. They are designed and put around us to please us. We're a very traditional type service. And that tradition... Traditional style is to what? Make people happy. We like it. That's why we stay that way. If y'all like contemporary, guess what we'd do? We'd probably switch over to contemporary. And if we liked a, a slower, a more calm services, or, or faster, a more hard preaching, or if we like this or like that, we would mold ourselves to do that. It's all about what we like. And what does that mean? It don't really matter to God. <laughs> it does not matter. It's important today to know that those emphases do not make a hill of beans in the church. Someday, when we are too busy facing men and trying to please men, one of these days we've got to face the music. 
one of these days we just got to understand that we need to come and worship God or however way we need to do it, we need to do it. And we need people to get saved. We need people to accept Christ. And we need people to turn their lives over. We need to see a people grow. The gospel, his next point, leaves no room for boasting. In verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Today we live in a do-it-yourself society. We do. We live in a society where people can think, think they can do it on their own. And trust me, uh, I'm a YouTube do-it-yourselfer. But if I can find it on YouTube, I'm going to be a professional at it in about two or three hours. <laughs> I may not have ever done that before in my life. But if I can watch somebody do it for about five or six minutes and think about it for a little bit, I'll probably be able to do it here in a minute. Now, I probably ain't going to get up on the roof of this building and lay no shingles because I'm scared of heights. But I know how to lay shingles because I watched a YouTube video on how to do it. <laughs> I may not know how to do this. Uh, I remember the first time I did any sheetrock work, I watched a YouTube video on how to do sheetrock work, and guess what I did? I did some sheetrock work. And I, we, we become a, a, a people of do-it-yourself. And in the church house today, uh, we might be able to do it ourselves in so many ways, but you cannot uh, have a do-it-yourself salvation. You can't. That's what Paul's trying to lay out here. There is no such thing as do-it-yourself salvation. There is no boasting in heaven except from Christ. Christ did it. Christ has died. It tells us in Revelation that we're going to throw those old crowns down at His feet. There is a day that we're going to meet our, our person that, that has saved us, that has died for us, that has laid everything down for us that we could not do. You cannot do it yourself. Paul also touches the marks in Galatians 6, 17-18. From, from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the, the marks of Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. He finally says, let no one cause me trouble. It does not mean that Paul was telling the Galatians to stop sending me letters about the problems that you're having. That's not what he's saying. Uh, he loved them too much to grow weary uh, from helping them. This does not mean that Paul was asking the legalists to leave him alone. It, also, it doesn't mean any of those things. He knew that that would be a waste of time. Paul's biggest trouble was that these people had actually fallen prey to what was going on with these legalists. So he says in, in so many ways, he says, let no one cause me to trouble. He's asking him, stop breaking my heart. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want to hear this anymore, guys. Don't hurt me physically anymore. I don't want to hear that you've been tricked. I don't want to hear that you've been led astray. Don't let me be let down. I, I bear on the body the marks of Christ in the next part of that. Paul had suffered. And he had been beaten, he had been whipped. In 2 Corinthians 11, 24-26, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, uh, in journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Uh, Paul's not trying to brag about the things he's been through. He's trying to tell them, guys, I've suffered. I have suffered deep. Don't think uh, being a Christian is going to be an easy road to travel. And Paul said, hey, look back at some of these other things I've been through, guys. I bear the marks. I've been through it. I don't want to be let down, guys, because I have suffered so much. 
if you can't do it for anybody else, do it for me. I have seen so much in my life. Why are you guys going back to legalism? Why are you accepting circumcision as a step to salvation? Why are you doing these things? When we look at people, we notice people by how they look. We do. Somebody's picking a little bit jack on his bug bites on his legs. We can tell he, he, he is, so he's got a little nervous tick, but he scratches them bites on his legs. He does. I don't know why. We notice people that have track marks up their arms and they hide it because they're drug dealers or they're hooked on drugs. We, we, we know that people have uh, markings on their skin. They have saggy eyes, dark eyes, and memory loss. You messed up on drugs, they have a red nose. The alcoholic, we have certain marks of certain things that we understand, but Paul had a different set of marks. It was the marks of following Jesus. A very rare kind of marks. In fact, he had the same kind of marks that Jesus had. Same kind of marks that he was torn all to pieces before he was put on that cross. Paul had them same kind. He says, can you not see? Can you not understand? I was there with you. You saw me. I have been through so much, guys. Why? Why would you listen and add on to what I've already taught you? And can we ask ourselves that? We've already had it in one message where it says, can you not hear yourselves? Paul's saying, do you not see and understand what I've went through to bear the burden of Jesus Christ? We get hardened, but I want you to realize that he may have been wounded, but he was not hardened. He even, we can see somebody that's beaten, and cut up with scars and gone through all this persecution and stone and beat by his own people. But yet, he teaches about love. He teaches about the fruit of the Spirit. He teaches about all these things. that He teaches that faith, hope, and love, and these three abide, but the greatest of these is love. That's the, that's the person we're listening to. We get hardened just because we get almost got wounded, and we almost got into trouble. We almost got into an argument, and we almost give an answer to our faith, and we have to ask ourselves, what effect has your wounds had on you? What kind of effect has it had? Paul's marks were proof of his love for Jesus. They were also proof of his love for the Galatians. They were. Paul ends this letter, and I'll end the message today, with thinking about what Paul was trying to get across to the Galatians. Yes, I believe that he wrote that letter a little angrily. Yes, I believe that he was very annoyed. They had done these things. Do I not get angry? Yeah, I get angry at y'all sometimes. Yeah, do I get annoyed? Yeah, I get annoyed by y'all sometimes. It's all right. Yeah, I'm let down sometimes that certain things happen. But it all goes back to Paul still loved him. He still called him his brother. Paul still cared for them. Paul was writing in so many ways of his love was so strong. Guys, quit letting me down. And if I can say that to the church, I love y'all so much, it really bothers me to be let down. If you ask any pastor, I tell you what, it always is concerning when things aren't going the way they need to go. And it concerns them. It hurts them. We lay awake at night. We can't sleep sometimes. We have hard days at work because of what's going on within the church and the ministry. Do you not understand what Paul is going through? The difficulties he had to face and how he's wrapping up the end of Galatians and Buddy, we could drum home legalism. We could drum home those issues. We could hit those fruits of the Spirit and how to be spiritual. But when we get down to the end of it, Paul wrote this letter because he loved them. The only reason I get up here and preach every Sunday is because I love y'all. I don't get up here 
every Sunday morning to build up myself or to make myself sound good or to put my message uh, on the internet or, or somebody else hopefully here. I don't do it for that. I do it because I love you. I do it because I care for you. And I hope and I pray that each one of you feel the same way to me. That Zach, I come because I love you. And I love the people around me. And I love the kids. And I love the adults. And I, I want to see growth. I want to see good things. And I'm not talking, once again, numbers on a board, all that stuff. It don't matter to me. Are you growing? Are you getting better? Are you getting closer to God? Are you more full of love? Paul's marks had not caused him to be hardened and mean. You are going to have marks. You're going to have difficulties. And you have to make the choice. If you want to make it harden you, if you want it to make you mean, or do you want it to make you a little softer and make you more lovable, make you love people more. As they get a verse of some song reader this morning, Paul had marks. And they were the proof of his love. As a, as a minister, as a pastor, as a preacher, I want you to know i got a lot of marks. You can't see them on me. I don't have physical marks. I haven't been persecuted because of what Jesus has done for me. I've got inward marks. I've got marks on my heart. I've got marks on my mind. I've got marks all over me from what I've heard, what I've seen, what I've seen people do. Uh, selfishness, bigotry, uh, whatever you want to lay out, I've seen it. I've seen churches get hurt over nothing. And people would get mad over nothing. And I want you to know something, church. We've got something special within these church walls. We do. We do. If you think that we're just another church out here in the countryside with a small congregation that's never going to do nothing, you're wrong. We love each other. I see that each and every Sunday. We love each other. We pray for each other. We've got marks. If the world cannot see that we love each other, if we can't see that we love each other, we do. And I believe we can see that. And that's what Paul, the whole emphasis is, yeah, they've done wrong. They've got to be corrected. But he's only doing this because he loves them. I hope that y'all love each other this morning. As we stand, what page you got? <laughs>